1: Hello, welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porry and I'm joined as ever by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. Hello, Richard. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Yeah. I'm
0: slightly worried about no deal. I'm slightly worried about COVID nineteen. Yeah. I'm slightly worried about Manchester City. Do you think we should try I'll and be get caring about the New York Chess? To be fair.
1: <laughs> well, when the New York Jets are getting beaten by the Denver Broncos, who are my team, and the Jets are your team, then you really are in a bad position, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I'm, I was expecting this season to be uh, completely hopeless, but not quite as hopeless as uh, as uh, not quite the raging tire fire. That I mean, I think you know, I think the only thing that could um, that could be worse now is if um, is if um, they put. Donald Trump in charge of, um, which, of course, that could happen because it the could, New York Jets yeah. <laughs> owned by Woody Johnson, who is Donald Trump's ambassador to the UK.
1: Yeah. Well, um, well, the, the New York Jets export to the Wouldn't UK last Harvey? Thursday night was not up to much. But um, I, 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 without wanting this to become an NFL podcast, I still, still think that Sam Darnold is a very talented quarterback and you, just, you need to build around him yeah he's just
0: not got the parts around him, and he 's looking at me, he's making a few dodgy decisions, just like you are making <laughs> thinking you 've made a dodgy decision new European podcast listener by listening to us ramble on about american football anyway mm. it's been an exciting week hasn 't it
1: <laughs> uh, well, every week is exciting, not always for the right reasons. We will of course dear and bring you the news um shortly, however. I would. I think we've, we're back to a stage now where you definitely need to be checking other news sources. I know a lot of you come here just for your news. Please do check in with the New European and the New European's website um, because I think we're on the brink of some, some more stringent lockdown measures. Um, we will um, also crown a Brexiteer of the Week, Steve. Of course we and will. In between the news and the Brexiteer of the Week, we will ramble which is what we do best. Um, so what's caught your eye this week, Steve? Well, obviously Donald Trump um, yes. is has just been
0: uh, a remarkable thing. And we will talk about Donald Trump uh, more towards the end of the show, I think. Um, I'll tell you some things that have caught my eye. Did you, uh, Keir Starmer has caught my eye this week. Did you see Starmer, what he said, he said, I'm very disappointed about this, and I take a dim view of it. Did you, did you see what he was very disappointed about and took a dim view of?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is it, it's been a it's been a week of strange news, and um, I think that this was the uh, decision by Arsenal, which I now think has been has been a U-turn to to do away with uh, Gunasaurus, who is yeah. their rather odd uh, mascot. I'm not quite sure why Arsenal have got a a dinosaur as their do you is there a reason behind why they've got a dinosaur as their mascot?
0: No, I mean there's no, you know, what's the what's the why did West Brom have a combi boiler as their mascot for a couple of years?
1: Well, I've no idea but that was brilliant and very funny and it got me to thinking actually about what the new European podcast mascot would be if we had a, it and maybe next time we have a live and please God let it be soon do a live pod which are great fun to do um, when we get to actually meet you all um, in the pub afterwards and you can fire questions at at guests rather than us because you know we're we're no experts but um, I was thinking what it could be and I think actually there should be two there should be two mascots What, what have you got any thoughts about what our mascot could be um, I don't know. I thought I was our mascot. Um... Well, I, I, in some, to some extent, I think that's true because I think we should have a gloved wang yes. and, and a knight fisher and they could dance behind us. And, you know, if we say something good, they could cheer. And if we say something bad, they could put their head in their hands and sort of shake their head and, you know, make these big gestures. And also, I also think that I, I'd like to see, you know, they do the um, like mascot Olympics. Have you seen that? Yes, that's right. Well, get, I think the gloved wang would be pretty good at the 100 metres dash. It should, surely it should be a yellow hammer that said your catchphrase. <laughs> yes, yes. I, um, the, a, a friend of mine told me a story. <laughs> day. We were talking about, uh, yeah, if you don't know, because the yellow hammer is a bird which says, little bread no cheese, which is my alleged catchphrase because the report on Brexit was called yellow hammer. Um, a friend of mine who's a Norwich City fan was telling me the other day that uh, he went on a tour of the stadium with his small children and they walked past a cupboard and the cupboard was open and in there was the, I guess it must be a canary the the mascot but it was all sort of just deflated and on the floor obviously because there was no one inside it and the kids were distraught, I think they thought the mascot was actually real and this was (laughs) a a dead mascot (laughs) So you've got to be careful with mascots, you know. And I'd love to go for a pint with an actual gloved wang.
0: And that would be good, yeah. Fish,
1: and that would be good. If anyone would like to come along to our next live podcast and dress as a gloved wang, I will pay your entry fee if you come along as a gloved wang. That would be amazing. Of Because we've got, to, we've, we've got to remain... There are taste and decency issues, so... You know, you've got to bear that in mind. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that would be—I think they, they would be good mascots for the new European podcast.
0: Um,
1: what about
0: the new COVID uh, safety measures in the in the Commons?
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, it's a workplace like any other. When I get up off uh, away from my desk, we're all very much socially distanced at New European Towers. When I get up from my desk and walk around the office, is that um, just because you don't have any friends in the office? <laughs> <laughs> it's not just in the office <laughs> i don't have any friends <laughs> uh, um it could be that it could be that uh it could be my uh lack of deodorant use i don't know but um you know i put I, we all have to pop a mask on and keep our distance and stuff so yeah i think it's and i imagine you know we're in a nice modern office i imagine it's probably a little bit more difficult but i guess you're talking about actually in the chamber yeah uh yes
0: i am yeah um, they are in, in in the chamber there are some uh, uh, there are about to be some new sort of safety measures uh, unveiled Pers- The perspect screens are coming in in front of the front benches um, and there is some talk of m p s wearing masks and you know what else has masks and Perspect screens. I've said it on this podcast before. It's it's ice hockey. Just freeze over the middle of the Commons where they that big bench is with all the stuff on it, the mace and that, and just and let them play ice hockey. It'd be fantastic. And Imagine there's a lot them, of fighting they're, they're in ice hockey Morris as well. Boris dropping their gloves and yeah,
1: getting in there. That'd be good. That'd be really, really good. good. And someone could play that organ. Yeah. Dur, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> During PMQs. <laughs> I love all that. Uh,
0: Absolutely love it. What about be- Boris's
1: conference speech? Did you say that? Um, the conference... I mean, I, I, conference season is a thing that I used to get really excited about. I'm <laughs> real real sadder. Even when I was a teenager, I used to really like conference... <laughs> see i'm not kidding still i'm really not i used to dream of going to political conferences did you yeah um, i mean not like fall asleep i used to want to go to them. i've been to loads now and the is it and like it, christmas eve for you well, i, I wonder co- what i wonder what jeffrey howe is gonna to say tomorrow <laughs> it was it was and but once you've been to a fair few the um the the the, the, the shine and wonder does somewhat uh dissipate um but when and I've done a few years where I've done all three back to back to back, and it's to, and in fact you once sent me to a fourth one as well. Yes, you might remember to, the UK I managed to get four in that year, I think. Um, so it does, you know, they are they are difficult, but there is a um, there is there is fun. There's fun to be had at political conference. You know, wild, mad things happen. Yes, um, there's a lot of uh, drinking, isn't there? There is a lot of drinking, um, and what what you do is you see, so you get a, about. 10 days two weeks before you get a little conference like program and you look through and see what's happening and some of the things are outside the um, secure area and most of the decent things are inside and the deal tends to be that you sit down and listen to some politicians rabbit on about their particular pet peeve or pet project um, for half an hour and then you get free drinks um, but if you time it right, you can pretty much go from all of them, cut out the speechy bit, and just arrive for the drinks. Now, that's all great. And you can see Conference Virgins doing that. Um, but honestly, the level of quality of wine is so poor. Is um, it? oh, it's like some of it is like... I remember once, <clears throat> it would have been something like 2013. Oh, no, it would have been like that. It was the year of the Scottish independence vote actually because the lib dems were last because they moved it because it was in glasgow and by the end of that conference i honestly I, I, if someone had have offered me another glass of white wine i would have punched him i think um it's just you know just the kind that re, the really sharp stuff you know that you get from a booze cruise to france and you get six bottles for 90p or whatever it's that kind of stuff um, but, but there are some good ones. The, the Port Authority always do a good one because they have sea shanties and free Ooh, fish and chips good. and beer. That's good. Um, usually the uh, the ones to go to are the Diageo ones. Right, okay. Because, because the beer's free. There's some, usually some good karaoke. Yeah, I was going to say, have you
0: ever been to the karaoke? Because obviously yeah. that, the clip of Matt Hancock and it's Therese Coffee, isn't it? Mm. Uh, Therese Coffee, rather um that clip is from last year is doing the rounds again which if you've not seen it it's i think it's on the it is on the new european um social feeds but it's matt hancock and therese coffee from last year's tory conference and they're singing don't stop me now by queen it, it,
1: it's brilliant and um i have actually got told off for trying to film in uh, <laughs> at the karaoke before but this person obviously got away with it and got it out there i think i, I think it's nice for people to let their hair down and mps are human as well but it's the it's the enthusiasm of matt hancock for that song that, that i love he's it's absolutely barricade. in the moment now therese coffee is a big fan of karaoke um <clears throat> she actually in years gone by has organized an annual westminster karaoke in in london I think it might be annabelle's i'm not sure but um so she is a big karaoke fan uh therese Coffey. Some of her constituents might say that she should probably concentrate more on their issues rather than um, ABBA's Dancing Queen. But nonetheless, uh, she is a fan of a sing-song. And uh, her and Matt Hancock is well worth watching. Get onto the European website and check it out. The idea
0: of Matt Hancock floating (laughs) around in ecstasy is, um, (laughs)
1: is, is, is quite something, isn't it?
0: It like, is. Were, those it karaokes are a be. lot of fun.
1: There's a, the, 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 there's a media one as well, which is good. That, the, the, the main one tends to be at Labour, actually. It's a, it's a tradition, I think, that mainly came from from uh, Labour. And I, was, I got told off for trying to film uh, Caroline Flint. Um, there you go. Uh,
0: that wasn't just at the karaoke, though. Was, <laughs> yes, it was. That was by the police. He <laughs> said in his conference speech, Boris Johnson said um, he quoted M people, didn't he? mm he said um he had to search for the hero inside himself. <laughs> and I think I would I think most people would rather see him moving on up and moving on out of number ten Downing Street, wouldn't they? Elegant Slumming was the title of an M people album, which seems very opposite for Boris Johnson, I thought.
1: I'm sorry, um, but I can't abide the M people. And to think that they won a Mercury music prize is a, a shock to me.
0: I've got to say, um, if you enjoyed last week's, um, if you enjoyed last week's guest Kevin Cummings, the the noted rock photographer, and frankly, who wouldn't? He was excellent. Then one of his big mates is, is is Mike Pickering out of the M people. I'm Um, not
1: suggesting they aren't nice people, or indeed talented musicians. He's a very nice man. It's um, just not yeah.
0: for me. It's just not for me. It's not for me. It's not for me either. Um, Boris Johnson also appeared on Andrew Marr, didn't he? And he said he, they were talking about coronavirus, and he said I've not lost. People say I've lost my mojo, and I, it's, that's not true. He said it would be, have been wrong of me to approach coronavirus with my usual buoyancy, and I thought I don't really care which member of Destiny's Child you approach <laughs> coronavirus with. Just just sort it out. <laughs> Just sort it out, man. <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> Michelle, anyway.
1: Imagine um, if he. Oh, I tell you what. What's that? There's, wh- is it. Um, it's. I can't remember what the song's called, but it's the one. Uh, oh, the single ladies. Oh, the single ladies. You know, I that think one? that's called single ladies. Single ladies. They dance around, don't they, in sort of leotards with high heels on. That's how they should open the press conferences with Witty and the other fella and Boris in high yeah. heels. Yeah? yes well I mean Amazing. you'd watch it wouldn't you yes you would
0: yeah I went to I went to the um in my capacity as um as a, a sports journalist the last time I went to the Super Bowl was the year that uh buoyancy um was she did the half-time show I I'd I, I sort of went I'd not really written about American football for for many years I used to write about it all the time and um I'd not been for many years, but I, I went because it was the Super Bowl was held in New Orleans, which is my favourite city in America. And um, and she was superb. The halftime show where there was a Destiny's um reunion was really great. What was even better was it was not long after um, uh, Barack Obama's inauguration. I think it might have been his the second inauguration, actually. Uh, and Beyonce had sung the national anthem and, and had actually mimed to it. And there was a big, um, it was a couple of weeks after that. And, you know, there was a big sort of, you know, to and fro in the press about whether she'd actually mimed to it because the conditions were supposed to be very cold and they didn't think that the microphones would work and this had happened before and it happened in the, the test runs. Anyway, she ended up miming to it. And um, clearly there's, a, there's a, a press conference that the, the artists do a couple of days before the Super Bowl. Um, where I've seen sort of Michael Jackson do press conferences and stuff like that, and other weird other people, and uh, Beyonce came out and she um, she just um, she said before we start, I just wanted I just want to say this, and she sang a cappella the national anthem, and it was absolutely no perfect and spine chilling. And then at the end of it, she sang, she said, "Any questions?"
1: And it was mad alive. That was a classic thing. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. It was a great. That, that was, was a great um,
1: moment. that would have been 2013, I think, wouldn't it? I think that's right. Yeah, I can't really? remember what year the
0: Michael Jackson one was, but I went oh. to the press
1: conference for
0: that, and he um, was very quiet. And we were on a balcony. I mean, there was only there were probably only less than a hundred people there. It it was not the big thing that it is now. There were probably about 100 people there, and Michael Jackson sort of made a few remarks from a microphone. And at one stage, and it was hard to hear him, as you can imagine, with Michael Jackson. He was a softly spoken fellow, wasn't he? And um, at one point, I got... There was a sort of an annoying kind of dig in my ribs, um, and um, I turned round, and a woman sort of went, can I get in front of you? I was right at the front of the balcony, and um, I went sort of, all right, then. And it was, it was she said, oh, thanks very much. And it was Gloria Estefan.
1: Wow.
0: Was, was it in Miami then? It was in um, I think it no it was in um, Los Angeles it was in it was in Pasadena yeah. It was the famous one where he had, obviously he did the the um, the halftime show and Yeah, I remember it yeah. He on the, the the giant you know atop the there the seemed to be a, he seemed to be dancing on top of one of the giant screens uh beforehand. So that was um that was amazing
1: but yeah. Um, that was a good Super Bowl in in 2013 as well that was the Ravens Niners wasn't it it was a great Super Bowl the lights the went for about half an
0: hour that wasn't, that wasn't really right, yeah. God that wasn't, yeah that's right it, it, it certainly delayed the post match entertainment for me um, but anyway we must but
1: we, no more NFL chat
0: in the no no podcast. more NFL chat <laughs> um, I was going to say Claire Fox has become a baroness baroness fox of, of buckley yeah um, and and um and Liam Fox has failed to become the new head of the WTO this week. And I just thought, who who could have imagined that Lawrence Fox wouldn't even be the worst Fox, or the, or the second worst Fox? <laughs> actually, the third worst Fox. Um, Liam Fox is amazing, isn't it? Did you, uh, did you see what Andrew Adonis tweeted about this? I didn't. He said maybe Liam Fox should retrain to be a musician. Maybe. Um, because what, does obviously-
1: he, what would he play? Is he a drummer, do you think?
0: Well, he's, he was close to close to Natalie and Bruglia, wasn't he, as, as he claimed? Um, <laughs> God, <that>? yeah. <laughs> he was a close close friends with Natalie and Bruglia. I think he's credited on her first album, isn't he? Not not for playing, you know. That's right. Rhythm, guitar and vibraphone. Yeah, um, slide. <laughs> but he is. Um, it's amazing, though, that he can't, You know, we've been snubbed for him being head of the the WTO. I think we should just probably withdraw from the WTO now. We should start a campaign to leave the WTO, (laughs) even though we're not even in it yet. And then we could sort of go forward into a bold trading future with Mars and Proxima Centauri and Kepler 425b and all these (laughs) other undiscovered planets that have, you know.
1: Hey, we laugh about it, but crazier things (laughs) have already happened this year.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: And one more thing before we start
0: talking about the imminent breakup of, um, of uh, the world and all of that is that um, <laughs> it's a bit of light relief. I think it, it does Strictly start this week or...
1: Uh, I, I don't know. I've only accidentally watched Strictly once and, uh, and in doing so, guess who I spotted in the front row having a nice time?
0: Um, was it Beyoncé?
1: Or Gloria uh, Estefan. It was someone, it was it was it was Britain's own answer to Beyoncé. Oh, was it? Yeah. Um Victoria Beckham. Therese Coffee. Therese
0: Coffee? no. Uh, or as she uh,
1: really uh, hates being called Mrs. Theresa Coffee. I bet she does. Because <laughs> she's Dr. Therese Coffee, Doctor. She does. like the Teen Tings. That's not
0: my name. <laughs> Um, she should do that at karaoke. Teresa Coffee. Yeah. They call me Teresa. This is
1: Teresa Coffee should that's do. That's not my name.
0: Teresa. <laughs> um, Jackie Smith is going on strictly. Ah, uh, she's the the, the the politician, and I, I couldn't help thinking that her husband would really have livened up the m- movie week. Oh no. <laughs> um, so good luck. She can Jackie. dress as a gloved Wang. <laughs> um shall we talk about the imminent no deal situation
1: uh, if we have to
0: <laughs> well i know we sort of talk about this almost every week now don't we but the the, the basically bloomberg came out on uh wednesday uh n- n- reports not been denied it's a report that the uk government are going to pull out of brexit negotiations uh, next week, if there is no clear deal in sight, according to a person familiar with the matter, who could who could that be? Do we think David? It um, th- could, could be, yeah, <laughs> one of David Frost's underlings. Uh, Boris Johnson has said he wants the outlines of a deal to be clear by October the fifteenth. EU officials have said they won't be pressured into making concessions. Prepared to call the prime minister's bluff dare Johnson to walk away a person familiar with the British position said Johnson's team would indeed pull the plug on talks if no clear landing zone for a deal has been identified by October the 15th. Uh, so October the 15th is, um, is next Thursday and uh, I'm guessing that the next time we speak to you we, we, we may be about to leave with no deal. Uh, I
1: I just think that there's a lot of... Um, I think there is bluffs being called from both sides. And it is true, and I know that, that Brexiteers have said this for a while, but it is true that deals, EU deals, do tend to go right down to the wire. And I think that it seems that the British negotiators seem reasonably comfortable with that as well. I, I just think... I think... I just wish the if they're going to do all this, I just wish they'd really do it behind closed doors. Uh, I am concerned, as I've made very clear. You are concerned. I think a lot of people are concerned. But this kind of the problem with politicians is, and we've seen this this well, there's lots of problems. But but one of the great problems is that they play politics even when it's not really appropriate to play yeah. politics. Um, and we've seen that this we've seen that this year at times with the response to coronavirus as well. Um, this isn't a time for for political brinkmanship, and um, what I want to know is, and I don't, you know, I'm not confident that this is the case, but what would make me more confident, even as a, an ardent Remainer, is that these people are doing their very best to get a deal. I hope that's the case. I think, um, you know, dates and false deadlines, and I'd honestly believe these are false deadlines because if if come the 16th of October and Boris has said no, that's it, done do you then go, well, what about this? They won't ignore them. Um, I mean, you know, it's been my view. I was talking to a colleague and friend earlier on about this, that the, this whole thing should have been paused. Anyway, I think we'll look back and realise what a huge mistake, if we do have no deal, what a huge mistake trying to negotiate one of the biggest trade deals in the history of forever um, was while there's a global pandemic going on. I would have preferred everyone's mind to be firmly on that rather than on other things um and you know we, we have absolutely once again the government has absolutely missed the trick to take the heat out of this and go i don't think anyone in march or april apart from the most you know frothing at the mouth brexiteers would have uh, had to go up boris johnson for for pausing it and i think the eu would have been up for it as well uh and i just you know i think it's one of the it's one of the litany of things that this government has got wrong this year and uh, the, obs- the Tory party's continued obsession with Europe um, is disheartening when there's so much else going on and so much else that needs attention.
0: Well, what's I mean, what's really
1: disheartening
0: is the fact that there's so little comeback for their obsession with, uh, with Europe. OK, it kind of kept them out of power during the, the Blair years, didn't it, when he was allowed to sort of paint them as... Uh, Well, it won him the election against Major. Partly won him the election against Major. I lead my party; you follow yours. All of that kind of stuff. Um, But uh, I think
1: it will. It will come back, Steve. It will come back and bite them in the arse because on because you know. And this was this was partly how the conversation came up earlier on. I was saying, you know, the the world's in chaos (laughs) through no one's fault, really. Um, Not talking about the response. Obviously, talking about the actual. You know, initial problem that is ongoing, um, but in the midst of all that, we're about to get loads more problems if we don't get a decent deal. Yes. And it's always, always the places that are that are the hardest hit that have got the um, that have got the poorest demographic um, that uh, that are going to suffer again. You know, the the north of England we've said for a long time will suffer more from Brexit than perhaps anywhere else in the country they're also suffering more than anyone else from coronavirus. And those things, I honestly do not see um, the red wall staying blue. I think I, I think perhaps not all of it will go straight back to Labour, but I think great swifts of it will. It was a fascinating vox pop that Radio 4 did, I think it was today, but it may have been PM, um, earlier this week or at the end of last week, where they went and spoke to, Uh, voters up you know up in those areas and I think out of the 10 or 15 people that they spoke to only one said no I'd still back Boris Johnson I still think he's doing a good job because things are starting to dawn on on these people that um that you know that that he's not not up to the job I think the only chance of the Conservatives um not losing great swathes of seats up there in the next election is if they've got a, you know, if it's not Boris Johnson, I think it's highly unlikely it will be Boris Johnson and maybe someone like Rishi Sunak or whatever mm. could could turn it round. But then, you know, we, we've not had much bad to say about Rishi Sunak thus far. He was very, pretty much an unknown this time last year. Um, but he has made a misstep this week, hasn't he, with these comments on I was, sorry, we're getting off the EU yeah, breakup a little bit, but that was a that was a misstep and a really silly thing to say. And he sounded like a tinier Tory, which is exactly what he doesn't want to sound like. When he said, "Well," basically said, "Well, you know, you people in the arts, why don't you retrain and do something else?" Yeah, I mean, he, I um, think he said he sort of said everyone should retrain and do something. Yeah, else. yeah, so, yeah. Like, he, musicians like, have sort of grabbed it, yeah. um, and and that's that's fine. You know, I think they've got every right. So I think also. You know, we do we, we, the culture and the arts is a huge export in this country it's, and, and and worth so much to our economy billions and billions and billions of pounds. I think it's something like 120 billion pounds a year or something, isn't it? It's huge. Mm. Um, and to just, to just cast it aside, um, and tell people to retrain what as a delivery driver, not that there's anything wrong with that, but what I'm saying is, what are they supposed to do if suddenly you know you could be the most highly skilled person in your field if that if that sector suddenly isn't there i don't know it, i it, it was just very very insensitive i think and it was, uh, it was a uh, it was a rare misstep from you just wonder from, if the masks is,
0: is, is slipped a little bit there i was very disappointed with it well the masks are slipping all over the place aren't they because people are at a time when you know this is uh when we're talking about lockdowns in the north or at least pubs and restaurants shut in the north and um and uh and all this kind of stuff and we've seen that that's the you know that 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 when anti-maskers say well it's just that you know it's about the same number of people that are dying from from pneumonia and flu as die of COVID. And we've now seen, uh, we saw on, um, I think it was Wednesday night, those stats were released that showed it's actually eight times the number of people that are, uh, are dying from, from uh, COVID that are dying from flu and pneumonia um, in the first nine months of this year. And at a time when that is happening and the, the cases are increasing and deaths are sadly increasing as well, um, there is a great amount of... Well, there, there's I think there's tiredness with the situation, isn't there? Which is leading people to to um, to, to question whether the measures are, are right all along. And there and there is also the plight of people who are in the arts industry, which is something that's very close to my heart. And a lot of I said before, a lot of my friends work in um, these kind of businesses and musicians, or they put on gigs or they own places where um, gigs are put on. Um, and, um, you know, I think there's, uh, the, the pressure is building. Labour's response to this is going to be absolutely fascinating, which we'll see unroll over the next few weeks. Where's the, What you know, what's the science behind this kind of stuff? Well, it's, um, I mean, the
1: confusion over the curfew, which is, which is actually a big part of, of, of this argument as well for the hospitality industry. And, I'm, you know, I am. I speak to a lot of people in the hospitality industry basically on a a daily basis about this and you know we've got we heard I heard from a source earlier in the week that there was there was definite moves towards ditching the the curfew but now here we are on Thursday afternoon looking like we may be going down the same route as Nicola Sturgeon has done in certainly some parts of the country whereby pubs restaurants are going to close completely um and i'm not quite sure i i have to admit i have got um strong Scottish heritage and some of my um certainly my grandfather I can imagine what he would have thought um of a of a pub that doesn't sell alcohol <laughs> you know, there's i don't think there's many people who go to pubs in scotland for a for an iron brew um so I, I, I you know or anywhere else um I certainly don't uh, so you know, I, it, it, it's very confusing, isn't it? I, you know, I'm just it in is. the middle of writing a piece, and it's chaos. You know, we've got number eleven saying get rid of the curfew, and number ten perhaps considering that, but we've also got number number ten considering closing um, pubs and restaurants altogether. At the same yeah. time, you know, I spoke to someone from the wedding industry earlier on today, who's saying why can why can I not put on a um, a wedding reception with more than is it thirty people? I think at a wedding or yeah. something. Um, you know why can we not put on a proper wedding reception when you could have a hundred people in a pub as long as it's table service as long as they've got masters on when they leave? What is the difference? You know, I, and I haven't got the answer. And the problem is, and yes, again, politicians are human, and this is an incredible, um, an incredible, rolling problem that uh that that needs to be tackled here. I do, not you know, I don't want to underestimate that. This is tricky, and I'm not saying I could do any better, but nonetheless, they are voted and paid to. To do better than I would, and there's just there's no uniformity in it. We're talking about traffic light systems that's been around for a week and a bit now without it sort of going anywhere. It's been the papers seem to know about it. We've, I've, you know, I've had conversations with people about it. But nothing from number ten. Whatever happened to that one to five sort of DEFCON thing that they had? Is that still going? That seems what, to go, didn't it? Then we add the, oh, as long as the R8 stays below one, we're fine. But as soon as it goes above one, we're going straight back into full lockdown. That was mentioned. Well, it's between at the lowest, about 1.3, and at the highest, perhaps even as high as 1.7 now. You know, I, I, am a, I do support local lockdowns because I think it would be unfair on certain areas of the country that haven't, you know, where businesses, where people aren't contracting it in the same numbers. But I do feel terribly bad for the parts of the country where uh house occupancy is higher just the density of the population is is higher you know where you are more you know you are more likely to catch um a a a a, a virus like this in a conurbation where there are lots of people than you are if you live out in the sticks um so there's got to be some leveling up, and I don't know how we do it. I haven't got the answers. I just feel, you know, yeah. I, I, my concern is that an already hugely divided country, thanks to a very divisive um, and nasty campaign um, around Brexit and all the fallout of that, could become even more divided because of, of coronavirus. I don't have the answers. I really don't. I, God almighty, I wish I did. Um, it's, but,
0: it's, a, it's a worrying situation, isn't it? And, um, and, and that's, that's exactly what I mean. People are questioning this at the, at the, uh, at the time of uh, questioning the measures that have been taken for good reason. They're questioning them. Um, but they're questioning them at, at, at a very dangerous time. And, um, you know, um, We've seen this week, haven't we that people are saying well why can't why can't we have fans in football? We can have three thousand five hundred people in the Royal Albert Hall at Christmas, which is a five thousand capacity and we can have um i think the 0 um is uh, in London is is that eight thousand it might be eight yeah. eight or nine thousand and they can have four and a half thousand in there um so they're saying well why can't we have you know why can't why can't you have you know, five thousand people at Old Trafford, or ten
1: thousand people. Well, you surely, gone. you could have you could have more than that. I mean, you could do. I mean, uh, without wanting to mention that American sport again, there are some fans back in in some of those games, very sparsely. Um, but you know, if you take the average football stadium, which probably what in the top two divisions, about twenty five thousand, something yeah. like that. Now, if you had people sat if you had groups no bigger than six and you have to prove that you're a household or whatever, and then you i mean you could easily so easily socially distance five six thousand people in in a stadium of that size couldn't you you would' have thought so that's right so what's the issue and the and the the clubs are absolutely desperate obviously to get fans back in and you as a Manchester City fan, Steve, and others out there who support big clubs like Man United or Liverpool will be desperate for that as well because it seems something very strange is happening in the Premier League without fans, doesn't it? It Um, absolutely does, yeah. I think Huddersfield Town fans who are high support, even if they were allowed back in the stadium, might think twice. But... um, social social distancing has never been a massive issue for us <laughs> but it's very it's especially
0: important isn't it for clubs in the championship yeah. and league one
1: and yeah league... i'm not worried about i'm not worried about the the big clubs but because if you think of the hit that
0: match day attendance is so important to them you know and and uh, i don't know do you think know.
1: actually while we're on this topic do you think that the premier league should have to bail out clubs further down um Well, I think it, I mean, it does some stuff already, probably not
0: enough. I think it should have to do some stuff, but I, you know, do, do, you know, does Wagamama have to bail out the, the, the local, you know, the local um, Chinese or the, or, or the local Thai? Well, it doesn't, does it? That's the... What restaurant, sorry,
1: what restaurant have to bail out? Sorry? What restaurant did you say? I said Wagamama. <laughs> you said Wagamama. Wagamama. <laughs> Wagamama. You is know, that the posh way to say Wagamama? That is,
0: that's how we say it. Um, <laughs> people, the people of my social If the people really of Wagamama, Wagamama, Wagamama would like to sponsor this
1: podcast. Um, I quite like Do you like Wagamama? I do. My kids love Wagamama. It's great. I love it. And, they, and they've got some really cool social distancing things in there. Yeah. I, 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 I've got to say, it's, um, it's, I think it's...
0: I don't think it's as good as it used to be, but there you Ooh. go. Maybe oh, well, you should we'll have the a...
1: charcoal noodles with corn. Maybe one day we'll do very... a
0: podcast about how Pizza Express pizzas aren't as big as they used to be, and then somebody will go, oh, they... yes, they are. It's just the plates that have got smaller and all of that. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll do that next week. Bringing it back, to, bringing it back to, to, to no deal, I just find it extraordinary that at, at a time when lives and businesses are at risk, we're going to put more, Boris Johnson is going to put more lives and businesses at risk, just rather than make two or three concessions to the EU and, and face down opposition from the ERG and from Nigel Farage. I just think that, that is amazing. I mean, it still might happen. Um, Boris Johnson, by the way, who a year ago in Dublin said, I've looked very carefully at no deal. It would represent a failure of statecraft. And he is the guy who put in David Frost, who is basically just saying, no, 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 no. Um, And i tell you something, I'm going to read you an interesting quote now, um, because we can argue all day about who is most to blame um, about uh, a potential no deal. You know, the EU are being a bit unreasonable about some things. their, Their demands about fishing, I think, are unreasonable. The point is that we knew that the EU were going to be unreasonable. I'm just going to read you something now that I read this week, and I don't know, can you get, if you can guess who said this, but this is a point that we, this was one of the the, the reasons that we were against, that we were pro-Remain in the first place. I am scared that you will suffer now. England made the choice for passion Passion and the desire for sovereignty, and I can understand that. It was not a rational decision, but I'm scared that you will pay for it. Europe will have to make it hard for Britain, or everyone will want to leave. They have no choice. I know Barnier. He said from the first day
1: that he would make it tough.
0: Do you know who said that?
1: Uh, I have read those words before, but I can't actually remember exactly... Who said that it, was, Boris Johnson? I guess
0: that was an in, that was an interview with Arsene Wenger that was uh, in the Times magazine at the weekend, and um, and it's it's. Oh, stunning. that's where I've read it. Yeah, with you know, Remain said this from the start. There would be, you know, as, as I think Boris Johnson said, the the, you know, the idea of punishment beatings or whatever, you know, the the, the EU would not give Britain was never going to give Britain an easy deal. Um, to um, if if Britain left, and was always going to make an example of Britain, and was always going to be unreasonable, and now we're you know and, and we said this all along, and Leave said no, they won't. They need us more than we need them. Should we um, feel angry? At the start of coronavirus, people like Nigel Farage and and. And other people, people in the Tory Party, were saying this. This will make it. We'll get a great deal yeah. now. This will make it much easier. They'll. They'll need us. You know. They'll. They'll need to do a deal with us now. No, they won't. They will make it as difficult as possible.
1: Should we feel angry at the EU for taking that stance? Well, I mean, I think it's
0: it's a big gamble from the EU because it is going. To, there, there is going to be. If not mutually assured destruction, and mutually assured damage, isn't there? Yeah. It is going. To, it is going to damage them, um, but it will. You know what? What means more to them? You I think know, what.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, and again, I've said this before. I'm no great. I was no great fan of the way the EU was run, and I think it needed reform, and that's why I wanted to stay in Europe in order to see if we could make it better than it was. And I'm no great fan of, you know, I think some, sometimes Remainers have, uh, over the past four or five years have become a bit sort of rose-tinted glasses about the EU. Um, you know, it has its failings, it had its failings, it will continue to have its failings, much like every government or um, organisation has. And I think that on both sides during the negotiations, I've been disappointed with, um, with the way With the way they've been handled i don't think anyone has covered themselves in glory i think there are some fine politicians in the eu and i think it's a you know as a as an overarching concept of of how civilized progressive humans can live um close to one another uh geographically and and otherwise i think it's a a brilliant project and a brilliant idea but um but not all of them are there for for you know not the right reasons. That's not correct. I'm not saying that, but not all, not just, be, just being a European politician doesn't make you a good politician. <laughs> um, and there are some, there are some crap ones, um, you know, both, both on our side and otherwise. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: worth, before we move on, worth noting that, you know, David Frost, Michael Gove have been talking about um, this prospect. Um, they were talking about it on Thursday They are talking, uh, they seem to be talking about, well, even if we don't get a deal, you know, there are still grounds for optimism, they're saying, but even if we don't get a deal, uh, we can, um, we can sort of talk we can keep trade talks, we can keep some talks on practical matters going to January, to January the 1st and beyond, maybe there will be some kind of managed no deal. Uh, like they said, and um, you know, uh, I think Britain. Sound, I mean, from what David Frost is saying, Britain may be prepared to give way a little bit on state aid, but whether that is going to be enough for the EU, I, I, I very much doubt it. Yeah. Um, something that um, something that I, I picked up this week, um, and you will have dealt with this as a political journalist over the years is. The, the meaningless things that politicians say. Now, I've uh. written about this in the print edition of the New European this week. Just as a large bin lorry draws up outside my um, outside my home studio here, um, and uh, guaranteed to be noise, uh, large amounts of noise coming, but. Uh, Therese Coffey, who we've mentioned before, Karaoke fan was on the Today programme on Monday morning. She was questioned about the 16,000 missing COVID cases, and she said, um, they said, what do you think of that? And she said, we cannot change the past, we can only
1: change the future. And I mean, that is mitigation for pretty much everything, isn't it? Well, it is, yeah. <laughs> No, why are you not guilty of this murder well i can't change the past <laughs> exactly i can only change the future it did make me wonder whether she where she picked
0: it up from whether it was from one of those sort of inspirational greeting cards that you <laughs> put with them, the sort of the sunsets on the rainbows oh
1: my and- god i bet her facebook is full of that crap don't you
0: yeah, exactly. Or whether it was something, she's a secretly a sort of Marvel fan and it was something like, you know, a character said just before they died and um, and whether, you know, she will, the next thing that she will say will be something like, you know, she'll, she'll the next time she appears on the Today programme, they'll say, well, you know, why is, why is the furlough scheme being shut down? And she'll say, remember that with great power comes great responsibility and we need to let our light shine so brightly that others can see their way out of the dark. And then she'll just end by saying Wakanda forever. Um, <laughs> um, in a time when Boris Johnson has said that the nation has got to behave fearlessly with common sense, I think it's am- amazing that Therese Coffee has come out with a statement even more nebulous and meaningless than that. And just, I'm not
1: surprised at all by anything to his coffee. No, there
0: you go. I wondered what are your, you know, I've I've listed about thirty of these things that politicians say and what they really mean. I, I wonder what your favourites are. What what's what's a, a thing that politicians say to you when you know that they are buying time to think of an answer or just wasting time? Or well, the w-
1: the like, one that the one that all journalists here and it started in politics and it's still a thing in politics but you now get it from press officers and things it's, it, it became a sort of um a sort of catch-all for i i'm not going to do my job um at, which is answering your questions um and the easy get out is for me to say i will not be giving a running commentary yes um well actually that's kind of your job um you know we we get that all the time now and it is um it, it, it's just an an absolute nonsense um we will not be giving a running commentary well you know i that 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 is the one that really really um I really really hate i also i mean this is one that i've been i've been taught as well uh, when being questioned on stuff um com- commenting on what a good question it is yeah. <laughs> that is a really good question what an excellent question let me see if i can let me see if i can get to i'm glad you me an asked answer. me that yeah. It? yeah yeah
0: it's a variant on that isn't
1: it because Has anyone
0: you... ever said let me be clear or let me be very clear and then
1: gone on to be clear <laughs> No, no, no one's ever done that. No one's ever done that.
0: I really like, um, I really like um, when, and Pretty Patel says this quite a lot, at the end of the day... <laughs> it gets dark. At the end of the day, and you just think, at the end of the day, I will be free of your tiresome questioning, drinking scotch, and you, you my interviewer, will be back in your hovel eating some beans. Um, I like... Um, No one could have predicted this, apart from people who did predict it. I like, I'm sorry if, that's another Pretty Patel one, isn't it? I'm sorry if, which means I'm (laughs) not sorry. Um, I really like, now is not the time to answer that. When is the time to answer that? I think it's the 13 o'clock on the 12th of never.
1: Yeah, um, I think only if you've burst into said politician's uh, bathroom while they're <laughs> sat on the toilet taking a dump, would now is not the time to answer that be an yes. appropriate answer. I don't want to preempt what the Prime Minister will say later. That's a good point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that means he's not thought of it yet. Um, yeah.
1: uh, we are where we are. What does that mean? That that is uh, in a literal sense uh, just a really rubbish Google Map reference, I guess. Yeah, we are where we are. I think we're we're up shit creek. We just lost the paddle. We've got a raft of ideas that's
0: just behind us on shit creek. (laughs) Um, We've introduced a package of measures, which I. (laughs) <laughs> that we've just got a load of real subprime guff together from the, the cutting room floor, and then we've welded it together to make give the appearance of a coherent uh, hole. And it's a bit like the, 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 the groups that you get on Little Mix the Surge. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, let's face the future. Better than facing yes. the, the fact of the matter is, none of this that I'm going to say now is fact, and I don't think it matters um is my um i also like we've got a long-term economic plan which means this is going to be terrible for 10 years well (laughs) 15 years trust me stick around um there are loads more of these in the print edition of the new european check it out um i did think oh lessons will be learned is good lessons will be learned Learn yeah. le- a lesson from this we're going to learn a lesson from this and the lesson will be uh, we will not get caught next time um yeah we can't change the past we could only change the future Teresa coffee said that and i think that the real meaning of that is please stop focusing on all the things that we've done badly beforehand and let me get on with doing them badly in the years to come yeah um, so check oh, it out it's in the print edition of the the, the new european if you've got any more Terrible things that politicians say that wind um, wind you up. Please do share them with us. Um, you can leave comments on this uh, on this podcast, of course, um, or I'm at Sanglesey on Twitter. S a n g l e s e y. I think I've almost got enough for a sequel. Um, oh. which will come out in the next print edition of the New European. But, but that would
1: be great. I meaningless I, things politicians say. I. Um, I've been a long... I've, I've long watched Therese Coffey. Just to, just to finish off this particular section before we do Brexit I have long watched Therese Coffey's career. In fact, since she first became an MP in 2010, um, I've closely watched her career. And she was actually my MP for a little while. Um, and our paths have crossed on numerous occasions. And I have to say... It says a lot about the talent in this government that she's got a ministerial role. Um, but, uh, but what I also would say is that um, I think number 10 are fully aware of that as well, from what I hear. So watch that space. Watch this space. I would suggest that we take a little breather, Steve, before we get into the really fun section of crowning a Brexiteer of the Week. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Welcome back, Steve. Uh, please do tell us who the Brexiteers of the week are this week.
0: Well, we'll start, uh, unsurprisingly enough, with Anne Widdicombe. Alack! I wasn't going to mention the, the, the stuff that was in the mail on Sunday uh, at the weekend just because I thought it was a bit, you know, I mean, it's a bit sort of gossipy, isn't it? Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely surprised that Stanley Johnson doesn't appear to be the amiable buffoon that he likes to.
1: Um... You know what? I was disappointed. I was disappointed with that um, because I, th- I, knew- I knew that that was coming and I thought, yeah, I di- it, didn't- it didn't really. I agree. I agree with you. Um, it was, I mean, obviously it's a very serious accusation and I wouldn't want to take anything away from, from that, but I was, yeah, yes. I was a bit disappointed with that, I have to say. Uh,
0: but Anne Widdecombe has got, a, a, as you imagine, she's often got a fresh take on these things, hasn't she? I mean, she, people who are regular listeners will remember that she reviewed the Des uh, a couple of weeks ago, the the, yes. the excellent mini series with David Tennant as Dennis Nielsen. And, and her, she was, her area of most concern about it was that, um, well, she praised it highly, didn't she? Because she liked the, the number of people smoking in it, um, which she thought was incredible, incredible realism for the time. I'm uh, when to come in, the Daily Express Boris Johnson is a prime minister coping with a nationwide plague, an economic meltdown, and a new baby to boot. And he's obviously still affected. by the disease itself. Is this really the right moment for his mother to allege that his father once broke her nose? To be fair to Mrs. Johnson, the first Mrs. Johnson, her comments appear in a biography of her son written by a third party. She probably made them before the outbreak of his present problems, but whenever she made them she would have known that it would do him nothing but harm and cause nothing but distress. She is hurting her own children. So there you go. It's the woman who um, allegedly had her nose broken by her husband who is to blame rather than the. Yeah, what's despicable, despicable? Who broke the nose. Uh, remarkable. Charles Moore, we talked about him. Yeah last couple of podcasts. I'm absolutely delighted that the uh, Telegraph columnist who hates the BBC has withdrawn from the running to be the chair of the Corporations Board. He says it's for family reasons. His own paper, though, reported that the BBC would have had to inflate the salary it pays its chairman to at least £280,000 to attract him to the role. Now, the current uh, BBC board chair takes home uh, £100,000, and that means that 1,142 licence fees uh, would have been needed um, to top up the salary to the extent that Charles Moore's supporters apparently believe that he is deserving of. a £280,000 for a largely ceremonial role
1: yeah.
0: is quite remarkable. Charles Moore, of course, wanted the licence fee abolished himself and replaced with a free choice for consumers. And you've just got to say... How many of those consumers asked the question with no license fee, what would you like to spend your money on? How many of them would have elected to pay Charles Moore 280,000 quid rather than fund things like Radio 1 and Radio 2, which bring pleasure to millions of people, uh, but not to Charles Moore? He wanted to scrap them. James Cleverly, um, he's been quiet recently, hasn't he, James Cleverly? Mm-hmm. He's actually got a job, James Cleverly, now. He was the, the Tory vice chair, wasn't he? Has he yes, got I, a, think, t- I
1: think he has, yeah. But you're yeah, right, I haven't heard of him for
0: ages. Job. Um, he was on BBC Breakfast, James Cleverley. Um, he was asked to explain why Boris Johnson uh, is doing a good job, despite the fact that a YouGov poll had just come out with 57% of voters saying he's doing a bad one. James Cleverly Uh, Cleverly, clogs had the the sheer brass balls to say we are still getting on with things that we said we would do to repair the country that we inherited from Labour. The Labour Party were last in power over 3,800 days ago. We have had a decade and three prime ministers since. Um, And he is still blaming Gordon Brown for the state of the country.
1: Absolutely. He is the he is the he isn't the co-chairman anymore. I've just no, he's not. Anymore, no. He but he is the minister of state for the Middle East and North Africa. Is he? Yeah. Is he?
0: And have you seen, By the way, that is a. I mean, that is a highly prestigious position. And have you seen um, <laughs> Daniel Kaczynski, Have you seen his new uh Highly privileged position. Tell me. The Brexiteer Daniel Kaczynski, MP for Shrewsbury, he is now our trade envoy to Mongolia. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, that stuff about people finding their just reward in life is <laughs> at a level. He's the trade envoy to Mongolia. Um, incredible stuff. Uh, but the Brexiteer of the week is Nigel Farage a Farage. He's not been Brexeter of the Week for a little while. He's wow. separated from Donald Trump by the Atlantic and by COVID-19, but he's still able to flick his little nicotine-stained, froggy tongue out um, all the way over there towards the capacious rear end of Donald Trump. Oh, by the <laughs> way, what we're talking about, Donald Trump, you must read... Uh, New European podcast listener, if you like, uh, if you like um, uh, humor, uh, humor books as I do, and if you like crime books as I do, you've got to read "Squeeze Me" by Carl Hyerson. Just come out. It's got Donald Trump and Melania Trump in it. It is very, very funny. It's a very brisk read. "Squeeze Me" by Carl Hyerson, crime book set in Florida. Absolutely hilarious. Um, Donald Trump's—I uh, mean, what a week he's had! Um, Nigel Farage thinks it's been a triumph for Donald Trump this week. He's obviously he's beginning a series of lucrative media appearances um, as we head towards the uh, the U.S. election. It's it's only about three and a half weeks away now, isn't yeah. it? He is uh, Nigel Farage has described Joe Biden's supporters as awful and intolerant people, to which you have to say pot, meat, kettle. <laughs> um, and uh, while he's done that, he has heaped praise on Donald Trump, who's obviously, um, you know, he's had a, a disastrous week, hasn't he? Um, uh, which is shown by the polling. He has said Donald Trump will now own the COVID agenda and he will neutralize Joe Biden on this issue and I think you know you only have to look at the way that Boris Johnson has neutralized um, Keir Starmer on the Covid issue since getting Covid um, to show that that is absolute nonsense. Um, Farage wrote a column for the Telegraph he said Trump is going to turn disaster into triumph. Um, He talked about Trump's motorcade and quick return from hospital to the Oval Office and he said which other Uh, leader in the Western world would do this and the answer is no other leader in the Western world would do this because no other leader in the Western world is as insane uh, as Donald Trump Um, and then he popped up again on the uh, Christopher Hope podcast, Telegraph podcast, I think it's called Chopper's podcast isn't it, it's very good, he said Donald Trump has done his absolute damnedest to keep all his election promises that's one of the things about him that really impresses me and it's true that he's kept all um, of his election promises and i know that because hillary clinton recently uh, tweeted that from prison while she was looking at a 2000 mile wall which was paid for by the mexicans so donald trump is an idiot nigel farage is the brexiteer of the week and i, I want to end on a a note of hope in that you know all right, he's going to have to, Joe Biden is not a great candidate and he's going to have to win by three or four points nationally anyway to have any chance of, of winning the White House. But in the, the last poll, the CNN poll, he's 16 points up. Yeah. You know, dare we dream, dare we hope that this tide of darkness and nonsense um, is going to lift slightly in the next three, four weeks um, with Donald Trump being sent back to Trump Tower, God, it would be marvellous, wouldn't it?
1: It certainly would. Um, and, yes, those polls are looking very good. Um, I'm just... Oh, I just... You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just... wonderful to see Kamala Harris, who is, who is you know... She was brilliant. I think, she, I think she's
0: a class act, and she wiped the floor with Mike Pence, just as, just as we all expected that she would.
1: Do you think, and I think she's done Biden um, the world of good... Um, and do you think that maybe some Americans are thinking there's our next next president? Yeah, um, I think
0: yeah, I think um, I think that's right. I think she. And you know,
1: if part. if if Biden spends four years priming her yeah. to be as such, that could. And we talked last week about him being a bridging candidate. That could it could actually work. I know I was a bit dubious about that, but it could actually work. I've been very impressed, uh, very yeah. impressed with her. She was great. She was great. And the next
0: debate is going to be a virtual debate, um, which, is the right, uh, which is the right decision. I think that's coming up. Is it coming up next Tuesday? I think it might be. Sometime next week,
1: I believe. Uh, yeah. We can talk about that on the podcast next be week. Virtual.
0: How is he going to interrupt virtually?
1: Well, I manage it with you. That's true.
0: He, <laughs> it's good though, isn't it? Because he's he does with his new tan, his amazing new spray tan that he's had since leaving hospital. Because he's obviously still quite ill, isn't he? Gasping yeah. for breath, and yeah. um, he's had. A I don't
1: know that well, that. that inc- t- and here's me interrupting that incredible bit of um, bit of VT where he where he sort of rips the mask off. Like, oh man! I mean. And then, like you say, it looked like he was gasping for breath. I think that what had actually happened is they said to him, take some nice deep breaths so everyone knows that you're yeah. healthy and you're breathing normally. And, because he can't do anything normally. So it was a bit like when we used to go around to smile, you know what I mean? <laughs> he used yeah. to do that weird thing with his face. I think that's what it was. I think yeah. he was trying to prove, look at my big, deep lungs, the biggest, deepest lungs anyone has ever <laughs> come across. I loved that thing. When they checked my DNA, I didn't have any. I had USA. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, if you uh, don't laugh, Steve, you will cry. What should the listener do right now? Uh, the listener should um,
0: should... Subscribe to this podcast if you don't subscribe to it already. You should leave a great review on your podcatcher of choice. You should say Wagamama, not Wagamama. <laughs> um, you should buy the print edition of the New European. It's in shops now. Mass test dummies on the front. The, really good. The, the, uh, another great cover by Chris Barker, the, the, the picture of... Um, the mock up of Matt Hancock, Hat Mancock, rather, as a crash test dummy is one of the highlights of the week. If you go to the New European website, um, it's a great new website, really fast, by the way. You can get, uh, subscribe, if you subscribe via the New European website, £6 a month for the print edition for the first three months, then it's £8 a month thereafter i mean look it's, it's it's three quid an issue so that's 12 pound a month at least normally uh you're going to get it for six pound a month for the first three months then eight pound a month thereafter uh, you can go to tneshop.co.uk we've got lots of face masks we've got passport holders remain passport holders to cover up your awful new blue passport we've got all of that kind of stuff uh you can join our facebook readers group You can just follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at The New European. And like I said before, you can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Tell me
1: what meaningless politicians' phrases really wind you up. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Porritt, P-O-R-R-I-T-T, which leaves only one thing for me to say. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. Here you go.